you go. No better sermon intro than that. Teach us something about Jesus today. Uh, how's everybody doing today? Good? Good, good, good. Glad you guys are here. Um, these guys are going to help get this thing on stage. Um, also, give it up for Mikey Stifler up there. He's doing the live stream, and we mounted that camera right there above the J-Rock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he's over there hiding. And Bruce as well. They were here yesterday like half of the day just working on the live stream and making sure it's great for the people that are watching it at home or wherever they're at, at the campsite maybe. And they're watching and making sure that's good. And we're getting better at that every week. So thank Mikey for that, who's a video genius, and uh, helping us get better at that because I'm focusing on the physical. He's the virtual, okay? Like that's how we do. Um, so today we're starting a new series about like the new direction of Jericho Road Church. And this is like something I'm really excited about because we worked through the whole summer on this directional clarity stuff and figuring out like where we're going as a church. And part of that was is we, <clears throat> Jericho Road Church came up with a new mission statement. And for some of you, you're like, okay, mission statements are cool. Um, <clears throat> and maybe you, you're not, you haven't worked with mission statements before, but mission statements are really the most important thing a church can have. Because even though we might not always look at it all the time, it's supposed to always be showing us what we are supposed to be doing. And if the leaders don't know that, it's going to be very unclear for the people. And the best way I could describe it is, imagine if we as Jericho Road Church went on a missions trip. Okay? Imagine like we got 150 people to go on a missions trip. And then we went down to Honduras, right? And you guys all got the plane tickets. We all got the place to stay. We're in Honduras. And on Night one, we have a worship service. Nancy does a great job leading worship. I preach. And then, day, you know, we go home. We kind of hang out day two. Day, day two, we have a worship service at night. Worship. And, and day three, it's kind of the same thing. And day four is kind of the same thing. Like, what would you guys say about day five when, while we're in Honduras? You'd probably say, what are we doing here? <laughs> What's our mission? Like, why did we come here? And it would be very unclear if we didn't state that. And simply, and, and what I say all that is because I think a lot of churches operate in that mode. Of like, Sunday morning we worship God, we hear a sermon, and then we go about our weeks. We might have a small group where we meet and do life together, and then we come back and do the same thing every week. And eventually, you as a church have to ask, like, what are we ultimately here for, and what is our purpose? And a lot of that is direction. And so, like, we got together as an elder team and set that so it's crystal clear, but it also gives direction for the next, like, 30 years. Like, where do we want to go? Like, where's, like, what do we want to see changed in the future? Like, what, what hills do we want to climb? Like, what, where do we want to plant churches? Like, what, and how can we, how can you guys feel with certainty that we are headed in the right direction if we never even share what direction that is? Or the other thing is, how do we know if we accomplish our mission if we don't set goals for our mission, right? Like every mission, I don't care if you talk to anybody who served time in the military, every mission is supposed to have an objective. And at the end of the day, for us, maybe at the end of the year, at the end of two years, we could look back and see how we've actually accomplished our mission or how we failed in our mission, how we just need to do better. And I think we need to spell all those things out. So that's how we got here. But we worked on this, we've been working on this all summer long, and it's it's been a good process. We eventually went on a elder retreat and finalized it. 
But all of that we talk about today in the next like four weeks came about with a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting. And our heart is, is like we are seeking God with wisdom and asking God for his direction. And so we take this as, you know, not just we came up with a good plan, but we really feel like this is what God wants us to do. And we really feel like this is his direction. But before we get into that, I just want to ask, like, or you might be asking, how did we get here? Like, why did we start this process? Okay, and so let me share this. There's three reasons. Number one, if you guys remember, does anybody here remember I'm in 2020 when we started that? And we had the light wall. And that was like a really exciting season at J-Road because we had this goal of paying off our debt, which at the time was really high. It was like 200 and some thousand dollars. And we said we're going to pay it off in a couple years. And every time we raised $5,000, we put a new light bulb in the wall. And then like over the course of like a few months, we raised like more money than we raised for our building in like the last like, four years. People were just excited. We were on a mission. We, we had it like we were killing it. And then a church came and offered to buy our building. And so we were able to sell our building and then buy this building and put money into it and still be debt-free. So God accomplished the vision in that way. Praise God. And so, like, I'm in 2020 was this great push. And then we bought this building and we got here. Now we're debt-free. That mission's accomplished. And we're going to update our giving envelopes and our website and all that stuff. And if you're like me, you're in this building. We settled in in, like, last fall and you know, we did Christmas Eve service and we got settled in. And I think we were all asking this question, because I was, is like, now what? Like, now what? Like, what's next? Like, wh what's our next thing? And we were going to spell that out. And then, you know, the coronavirus happened and we, everything just got paused. And so, but we used that time to like look into this because I want to know what's next. Um, we have this big church, you know, we're, we're back in the swing of things. And we want to know where we're headed. And so that's called directional clarity. Like directional clarity. We have a good idea where we're going, and we, we have a good plan of how to get there. If we don't have that, the church turns into passive complacency, where you're just passive and you just, you just kind of do it. And for me, if there's no directional clarity, I get really bored. I don't know about you. I get bored. And if, I'm, if I get bored, I'm not having fun, and if I'm not having fun, like what's the point of doing all this? You know what I mean? And so I hope you guys feel the same way. Like if we don't have this directional clarity of where we're going or what we're supposed to be doing, I hope you guys get bored too. And so um, that's a good thing. So we realized we needed a fresh vision of where God is leading us as a church. And so we started this journey. It, part of it is waging war against stagnation. And you guys as believers have to do the same thing as well in your lives. If you realize you're starting to get stagnant in your faith and you're just going through the motions, guess what happens to a stream when, it's, when it stops flowing and gets stagnant? It starts to stink. <laughs> and it stops to, it, like stagnation, then bugs come in and they build their homes and it's just not clean. In the church, if it stops moving, it starts to become stagnant and stinky and filled with bugs and people get sick if they drink out of it, right? <laughs> Anybody ever here have been to a church that just fell into stagnation where it stopped moving and it started to missionally stink and grow bugs and be toxic? Um, and I'm not bashing any church. I'm just saying without a clear vision for God where you're going, that's what happens. You just get into knocking out Sunday morning after Sunday morning, going through the checklist and getting all that done. So we don't want to do that. We want to keep going. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision from God, the people get complacent, and really they start seeking out for their own self-interest. So we know that this, every church has a bell curve where it's like in the early stages, it's exciting and it's growing, and then it plateaus, 
and then it goes down and becomes complacent and inward focused. And really the last few stages of a church dying is becoming inward focused. They become inward focused. This is my church. I want my way. I want to do it this way. We stop thinking about the people outside of our church, the people that we are sent to go reach, and we just start focusing on ourselves. And like, what's good for us, you know? I want a good potluck. I want a good ladies' tea. I want these pews switched out for comfy pews. And then it just becomes an inward cycle. And eventually when a church becomes too inward focused, it eventually dies. It eventually dies. And, you know, people go to a church that has mission and, and is going somewhere. You know, I, I equate it to the same thing as a missions trip analogy in the beginning. But has anybody ever here been on a vacation, maybe with a friend or your spouse, and you didn't really have a good plan of what you were going to do on vacation? And so when you got on your vacation, you just fought the whole time about what you're actually going to do, and it wasn't very fun. <laughs> and you didn't have a clear plan of what you're going to do. And then once you're married for a few years, you decide that, hey, before we leave, we're going to have a good game plan so we don't get into the same mess on vacation, right? And it's like, what's the purpose of the vacation? I'll tell you what. My wife and I, a couple of years ago, maybe five years ago now, she was pregnant with Jonathan and our youngest son, who's now going to be five here pretty soon. Um, we went to Traverse City, and we said we're going to go on vacation before this baby's born. And you know what our agenda was? To stay in the hotel room and watch TV the entire time. That's all we did. We went out to dinner. We went out for breakfast. But we just sat in the hotel room and watched TV. <laughs> and Logan and Tyler were watched by Grandma and Grandpa. And we vegged out, and we loved it. Mission accomplished. We slept in till 10 o'clock every day. And we just had a blast. Like, that was our mission was to rest and relax, and it was accomplished. But if your wife has it in her mind that you guys are going to go shopping, you're going to look at some sites, chilling at in the hotel room watching Netflix all day is not going to be a very fun sight because your two missions are different. And so we as a church collectively come together and say, this is our mission, this is where we're going, and we're going to celebrate it when we accomplish it. Amen? And so that's what's exciting. Like, I'm excited to talk about this with you. So that was the first reason we went into this. Um, the second, this is, many of you guys know, we had a greenhouse assessment back in um, February. So literally like weeks before the world shut down and we got locked down, we had this um, organization come in from our denomination that assessed the health of our church. Because you guys saw Michael Burroughs up here, that handsome guy on the bass, playing the bass. That's Michael Burroughs. Um, we're... He is going to be starting a new church, Lord willing, in September of 2021 or October, give or take. I'm not nailing it down to a day. But in the fall of 2021, he is going to, Lord willing, plant a church. And we as a church are going to foster that church plant. Some of you might go with him, and we're going to foster that and eventually launch him out. The reason we had this assessment to see is if we are even a healthy church to even do this. So they come in, they look in our nooks and crannies, look under the hood of the car, make sure we're a healthy church because the denomination supports the church planter with us and, you know, they want to make sure we're a healthy enough church to plant. So they did this assessment and some of you guys were interviewed. Some of you guys met them at Panera Bread. They interviewed the staff and the elders and then they gave us a report of how we did on the assessment. And generally we did pretty good, but we, 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 we didn't do awesome in every category. And one of the things they said was, I thought this part was cool. Maybe I'm bragging about myself. I don't know. I'll take it for what it is. Maybe I'm bragging about you guys. But they said, after the guys were here all weekend talking to you guys, and they were here on Sunday, they said, I don't know what it is, but we really feel like this church is on the verge of something big. Like, we really feel like this church is, like, has all the components 
to be an incredibly effective church. Like they care so much about the, the community. They are selfless. They're a very humble leadership team. And, you know, they said this is, they got the structure. They said one thing you guys are lacking is um, directional clarity. And the reason is, is because we ask people in your church, hey, what's the vision of the J-Road? Like what's the five-year vision? What's the goal? And th that wasn't incredibly clear. What's your mission? You know, can you articulate the mission and how you're accomplishing it? Many people couldn't do that. And so that shares is us as a leadership team haven't spelled that out super clear. So they said the purpose of the church and the direction of the church was a little murky. So you could have the most healthiest Christians in the world, but if we're not aligned on where we're going, it's not going to be effective to getting there, right? So it doesn't matter how healthy your people are or how healthy your leaders are. If you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. So they, they pointed that out to us. And so we started to, this process to answer those questions. The first is what do you do? The second is where are you going? And then how are you going to get there? And we'll explain these over the next five weeks. Today we're just going to unpack the first part of our mission statement. But the last but not least, the other reason we did this is because many of you guys know I have now been the lead pastor of Jericho Road Church for three years. I mean, that seems like a long time, but it really it's not. I mean, you know, it's, it goes by so fast. And half the time we were in a pandemic, so I was only talking to you guys through a screen for like six months, or no, five months, who knows, however long it was. But the original mission statement of Jericho Road Church that we are replacing, if you guys remember it, it's loving Jesus, loving people, transforming communities. I love that. I'm not saying that we are going to stop loving people or loving Jesus or transforming communities. I'm saying that that vision was cast with an entirely different elder board, except for Andy Carlson, who's here. He's been here since the beginning. But other than that, we have all new elders, and we have a whole new staff. And so it's time to revisit our mission to see, is that really make a lot of sense? And, and, and can we do something that's a little bit more clear? Because I love it. Like, we're all supposed to be loving Jesus and loving people and transforming communities. But does it give us the right, like, crystal clear direction of where we're supposed to go. And the other question is this. Can we love Jesus, love people, transform communities, but still not be effective at making disciples? I think if we're not clear, we absolutely could. Because, again, that wasn't a vision that I was here when it came up with. So there is a way to explain that original vision. Like, this is what loving people means. This is what loving Jesus means. This is what transforming community means. But over time, if the leaders aren't casting that fresh vision, it goes, looks like this. Do you love Jesus? Yeah, I love Jesus. I come to church. Do you love people? Oh, yeah, I love the people here at J-Road. They're awesome people. Okay, do you transform communities? Yes. On every 12th, I fixed a fence. So I did my part. You know what I mean? Like, so I love Jesus, love people, transform communities. Well, are you making disciples that create disciples? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Can you love Jesus, love people, transform communities without actually making disciples? I believe you can. So that's part of the reason I want to, like, make it more clear what our mission as a church is. You following with me? Okay, good. Um, so we believe we can do all that, but still miss the point. And also, me as a leader, like I'm the one and the staff here are the ones that are going to be passionately casting the vision of where we're going. And if we're not crystal clear on what we're supposed to be doing, it won't be clear to you guys as well, okay? So the, the one thing that Jesus asked us to do is what we visited before we went into our mission statement. Do you guys know, like, the name of that one thing Jesus asked us to do? Anybody know, like, it's called the great, the great, okay, commission. 
The Great Commission is like the church's mission. It's what we're supposed to be doing. And, and we can love Jesus, love people, transfer communities, but we got to make sure we're fulfilling the one thing Jesus asks us to do, which is make disciples. Um, so let's look at the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 and 20 says this. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. And so this is what the church should be doing. Making disciples. Making disciples. Okay? Now, one could argue we're making disciples here. And we totally are. Like, if you guys are here today, you're being discipled. If you're in a missional community, you are really being discipled because you have a leader that's caring for you and pouring into you and, you know, praying over you. And so that's good. Um, but there's a part of making disciples that we very much have to be conscious about. And that is, once we make disciples of all of y'all, we got to, like, reach more people and make more disciples. Right? Like, there is a whole, like, reaching component. It's the whole, like, go. He's saying don't stay, go, and make disciples. And, like, that in the original language, it's like this continually making new disciples. So even though that you guys are doing a great job and you guys are growing in your faith, if we're not making new disciples, we're eventually going to become stagnant. Like fresh blood coming in the church that don't know Jesus, that repent and come to Jesus, like that is what we have to be reaching for. And you guys going out there and, and sharing Jesus with your friends, your family, your coworkers, people that, are, that don't know Jesus. And so... Are we doing that first part of the Great Commission? So in the Great Commission, it implies like all sorts of things, like um, reaching, um, and it says teaching, so reaching, equipping, and then sending is go. And so it's talking about this reaching, equipping, and sending piece that Jesus says we ultimately should be doing. And so, you know, that brings me to our mission statement, is the first part is reaching the lost. So it's, the first part is reaching the lost. So I'll explain that first. But this is the thing. It doesn't matter what we do as a church. We can grow to 7,000 people over the next year and still not be successful in God's eyes. Right? Like we can grow to 10,000 people and be on channels and have our own books and still not be successful in God's eyes. Many people don't equate success I mean, not reaching anybody and staying small doesn't reach success either. The whole point is making disciples. If you're not doing that, you're not making God happy as a church. God still loves us, but he's like, you, you could be more effective than that. So we want a mission that's crystal clear. The first part is reaching the lost, okay? Um, so we have, first, we have three parts to our new mission, and we'll explain that over the next three weeks. By the end of the week after next, you'll know our whole mission, okay? Sound good? I just don't want to throw it all on your plate at once, all right? Little bites. In three weeks, we'll have the whole thing, and then you guys will memorize it. And then if we get assessed again, we will do a much better job, and I'll get higher scores. Isn't that the ultimate? No, I'm just kidding. That's not really what I'm about. Um, so if you had to answer this right now, is Jericho Road Church incredibly effective at reaching the lost? You don't have to answer that. But I wrestle with this question too. Are we effective at reaching the lost? Um, I think we could be a lot more effective. I would say probably not super effective. The reason I say that is because I know how many 
first-time guest cards get filled out a week, right? Like the text JRO to 31996. If we as a church are incredibly effective at reaching our friends and family and sharing the gospel and people getting saved or people just coming to church and joining you at church, if we're incredibly effective, we'll see like five a week, six a week, seven a week. You know what I mean? Like that's a way that we can gauge, are we doing a good job at that? Or um, you guys share stories and things like that and we're just seeing like 100 baptisms a year. Um, now I get it that you can't control who accepts Jesus, right? That's out of your control. But what can you control? Who you share Jesus with. You can absolutely control that. It's a, it's, you can plant the seed. They're in charge of making the choice. So that's not in your, you know, we'll never make that a goal of how many people get, get saved because that's out of our control. I mean, you look at the prophets, sometimes they went to very dry countries and nobody accepted Jesus. And they did the best preaching they could do. But they were out there reaching the lost and sharing the gospel and sowing the seeds. So we feel like we could do better at this. That's why we put it in our statement. The other reason is a church naturally, question for you all, does a church naturally drift inward focused or does it naturally drift outward focused? It's naturally going to drift inward focused. It's just how it is. If you and your wife like are sitting down or you and your husband are sitting down and you have a choice, do we want to go serve at a soup kitchen or do we want to sit at home and watch Netflix? What do you think you're naturally going to do if you just coast into one or the other. Naturally, we're always going to coast into doing what's easy and what's convenient. So that's why we need to consciously be militantly pushing towards this outward focus. Or if not, it's harder than, it's harder than the latter. So we just um, do revolt, redo what's easy. So the term lost is a heavy word. Like when we talk about reaching the lost, this is a heavy word. And I'll just be honest with you. Like we had a lot of debate over using this word. It sounds mean. Who are you to tell me I'm lost? Who do you think you are? Well, number one, like, there's a full mission statement that we'll use in-house, but there's also, like, a cute version that we could use for, like, billboards and stuff. Or not billboards, but signage and things like that. But we can't mince words that Jesus talked a lot about people's lostness. Right? Like, people, like, would you guys all agree with me that there's people in Muskegon that are lost? Like, on many different levels, like they're lost. Like, they maybe they went to church as a young boy or young girl. Maybe they went to Sunday school and prayed the prayer at VBS, but they're lost. Maybe they accepted Jesus and wandered away. They're lost. I broke it down in like this. Who is the lost? First of all, you guys all know that in Muskegon, there's like the spirit of lostness that is around um, Christianity. Because... There's a lot of churches in West Michigan. It's kind of like a Bible Belt. So very rarely, everybody in Muskegon has encountered Jesus at least once, right? There are places in the world, I'll just say world bigger, that have never heard the name of Jesus. And so they're like, tell me more about Jesus. What? He healed the blind? He walked on water? He, he rose from the dead? What? It's like, but if we live in a post-Christian society like we do in West Michigan, people are like, I heard it. People knock on my door every other day telling me about Jesus. I know all about it. Thank you. I'm good. <laughs> I accepted him when I was a kid. Um, so I broke it down like who is lost in three areas. Um, the first is this, how we describe it, is people that have encountered Jesus. People that haven't, um, oh, I'm sorry, never encountered Jesus. Yeah. Um, the first part is people that have never encountered Jesus. They never accepted him. Maybe they don't even know him. 
And it's rare that we will encounter anybody in this category here. We might, but it's rarer, okay? But there's definitely people who have just never encountered Jesus, okay? The next one, the people who have encountered Jesus but didn't accept him. You know, if somebody told me about Jesus, they told me about what he did, they'd ask if I'd accept him as Lord and Savior, and I wasn't ready, never did. Maybe one day, but I don't believe it. I'm not going to follow it. I just, that's just where I'm at. And number three is, I, they have professed faith in Jesus, but no longer follow him. Yeah, I uh, believed in Jesus at one time, and they've fallen away from the church. They've fallen away from Jesus. And a lot of times we judge this is based on, like, what is their interaction with the church? If I'm going to evangelize to somebody, the first question I always ask is, it's very easy, so do you go to church or anything like that? I do. Do you go to church? And I'm not asking because church is what saves you. I'm asking because it reveals, like, where their heart's at, right? I don't do that church thing. I tried it. It didn't work for me. Or I used to be so involved in church. I was baptized. I was serving as a greeter. I was an usher. We got married. And I don't go anymore. Why? Uh, we just fell away. Like, I, I encapsulate all of these in the who is the lost Muskegon. Like, who are we going after? I'm sure there's more types of categories, but this is the first part. Um, most of us have one lost person in our lives. Most of us work with somebody, have somebody in our family, have somebody in our house, have somebody in our school that don't know Jesus. Or maybe they fall in one of these three areas. And so we know lost people. And if you don't have any lost people in your life or on your street or in your neighborhood, I encourage you to go out there and passionately pursue a lost friend that you could share Jesus with. So we want to actively pursue lost people. Um, and we want to be in their world. The Bible says, be in the world, but not of the world. You could be in the world, and you could be with, like, people that are lost, and, but you don't have to become the lost. Does that make sense? You, you could love them. You could join their world, but you don't have to join, you know, in their sin, and you don't have to join in in their festivities, but you can still love and be there for them like crazy. Um, Luke 5, 30 and 31 says this, and this is like where Jesus totally encountered the lost. He totally invested in the lost. He was with the lost. It says this, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law complained to the disciples, to Jesus' disciples, and they say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Like, why are you guys eat and drink with these tax collectors and sinners? Like, they're bad people. Ta if you don't know, tax collectors were like the Ponzi scheme people, like the worst of the worst. They were stealing money. They were like crooked. They were just bad people. And he's saying, why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them and says, is it not the healthy who need a doctor? Or it, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the who. I didn't come for the healthy people. I came for the sick people. So if you see me sitting around like, like people that are spiritually sick, it's because I came for them. I didn't come for the people who had it all together. I came for the broken people. I didn't came for the people who had just perfectly like laid out lives. I, paid, I came for the people who had just horribly messed up lives. Right? And so we as a church value people who have perfect put together lives, but we look down on people who have twisted messed up lives. And Jesus is like, that's your target. Those are the people you're going after. 
I don't care how screwed up or messed up their life appears to be. That's the ones we need to be going after. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but the, actually the sinners to repentance. These are my people. These are the people I'm going after. These are the people who need my love the most. It's these people. Jesus knew the importance of having sinners in your circle. Just sinners. I don't know how to say it. Lost, having sinners. Um, um, and so we want Jericho Road Church to be this place where you guys are trained and equipped to go out and share the gospel, to bring folks to church. And so this will be a place that is comfortable with lost people walking in our doors. I'm talking like lost people, right? Like people that like were on the pole the night before and now they're in church and we don't judge them for that. And you shouldn't know that they were on the pole because you shouldn't have been there anyway. But now you know and now it's time to repent. Um, <laughs> couple, couple people in the back got it. But... So people come here, they're lost, they got spider tattoos on their face, they smell, they're smoking out in front of the church. Like, those are the type of people we don't want to just like send away and be like, get out of here, this place isn't for you. Those are the people we want to be like, hey, come, come, we love you. Like, hear about Jesus. You know, hear about Jesus. And guess what? You don't need to put your life back together before you come to Jesus. You bring your mess to Jesus and he puts your life back together. That's the amazing part of it, right? So stop trying to make people like, have perfect lives before they can come to Jesus. Like, I am not trying to, like, change people's behaviors before I have them meet Jesus and change their heart. Because we're not about, like, behavior modification. We're not about, like, hey, change your behaviors and Jesus will love you. No, it's Jesus will love you the way you are. And then the transformation after it's done in the heart starts to, like, look different on the outside. Introduce them to Jesus. Don't introduce them to new behaviors. Um, um, so we want to be a place where lost people come, where lost people matter, where we seek them out. We love it. We want it to be our DNA. We want to reach the lost, so we made it part of our mission. Um, lost people matter to God. He wants to see them found. Luke 15, verses 1 through 7 say, says this. Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. Jesus talks about the lost sheep. It says this. Um, now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It's like, could you just imagine, like, imagine for a second what Jesus was doing? Like, I don't know what the roughest bar is in Muskegon. Maybe you know. I don't know. Maybe the Doghouse Saloon, is that like the roughest bar in Muskegon? Or is that kind of like a pansy bar? I don't know. <laughs> like, is that like the toughest bar in Muskegon? Like, okay, let's just say the Doghouse Saloon it's 11 o'clock on a Friday night, and you walk in there, and you see Pastor Jim in there. Everybody's partying, everybody's drinking, and I'm in the middle of them, hanging out, talking, and you'd be like, what the is Pastor Jim doing here on a Friday night? What is he doing here? Like, this isn't right. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. <laughs> and they said, what is he doing here? Like, why is he here in this place with these sinners and tax collectors? Like, this isn't right. This is not right. And, he, and then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Next verse, please. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents 
than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And so he says, that one lost person, I care about them. I want to go after them. And I want them to repent and come to me. And so these people matter deeply to Jesus. They should matter deeply to us. And so we as a church and all of you guys in your circles need to care deeply about lost people and be reaching after them. And so that's what we're going to be doing as a church. That's what we're going to be going after. That's what we're going to be celebrating. And, um, you know, no person is too lost for Jesus. Amen? No person is too lost for Jesus. And again, if we don't make lost people a priority, it'll never happen. Our natural gravitational pull will always be inward, not outward. Again, it's just, the, it's just how we work as pastors. I'll let you in on a little pastoral secret. It's kind of like being a politician. You know what I mean? You guys, some of you be like, you know, your politician, hey, I pay my taxes. I should have a say how they get spent. Sometimes people look at the church like, hey, pastor, I pay your salary. I should have to get my way. <laughs> you know, I put money in there. I pay your salary. I want these seats to be comfier. I want these, I want the lights to be not as bright. I want there to be carpet up in the big, like, like, and so what happens is at times, pastors feel like politicians and they just start catering to the people's needs. Well, what's the people's needs always going to be? Inward focused. Rarely people email the pastor and say, hey, pastor, I'm just really feeling like we're not reaching enough lost people. I've never received that email. I have received, hey, pastor, you didn't say hi to me Sunday morning. Now I'm kind of PO'd about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, sorry, I, I didn't see you over there. We're all wearing masks. I didn't even know it was you. You know, you know like, I don't know. And so our gravitational pull is always going to be into our own self-interest, not outside the church. So we have to be actively going outside and reaching the lost. So we're going to set a goal to this. And I'll explain this goal a little bit later. But the goal is this. By 2025, we want to reach 5,000 people with the gospel. Amen? All right. 5,000 people of reaching them um, that you guys share with me when you share the gospel with somebody. We're going to record that. We're going to have ways for you to record that. And we're going to keep score of it somewhere in the building so we can know how we're doing. So... Week one goes by, you see there's one person up there. You say, hey, Jim, I shared the gospel this week. Okay, we'll add that to our count. You know, I invited somebody to church this week. We'll add that to the count. Things that you absolutely can do and in, in, in plant seeds and things like that. So we are going to be going after this, these numbers. We have a number for each part of our vision that we want to do towards our, our ultimate vision for the year. And we're going to set goals for that. Because if we're not meeting our goals, how do we know if we're being effective? And also... When people have a goal in mind, it keeps it fresh on the top of their mind of what's actually important, right? Like when we have the goal of I'm in 2020, we killed it. Like $10,000 a week killed it. Like, and we weren't even that good at giving up a church. People were like writing checks for major money. And if our goal is to reach 5,000 people with the love of Jesus, I want that to be a goal that's on the top of our mind because that's really more important than $10,000 a week, right? <laughs> that's more important than any dollar figure we could say. So we're putting that up there, and we'll talk about that more later, but that'll be one of our goals is to reach 5,000 people. Um, and I believe we're going to crush it. Um, it's not saying that we're going to grow by 5,000. It's just going to say you're going to reach 5,000. I don't care where they go. I just want them to know Jesus, and I want you guys to have part of that. We're going to unashamedly invite them to Jericho Road Church because we want them to have a church home. But if they say, hey, this church is by my house, I like it, it's good, okay, go there. It's not a big deal. But we won't be ashamed to invite people to our church either. Um, so we have a strategy for this first part of our mission of reaching the lost, and it's this. Um, it's going to be up here. So the first part of our strategy for this is we're going to train you guys to be more effective in sharing the gospel. 
So equip the church to reach. That's going to be number one. We're going to do that throughout the year. We're going to talk about it more on Sunday mornings. We're going to have a special midweek class. I know that's a boring word. I don't know a cooler word than class. I don't know. Workshop. And we're going to try to help you guys feel comfortable about sharing the gospel. Because if you guys don't know how to share your faith, I failed and we failed as elders. If you guys don't know how to share your faith. Because that's like one of the one things we should be able to do um, confidently. Second thing is we have the Jericho Road Project. Um, the Jericho Road Project is our housing ministry. We currently have four units, three houses, one's a duplex. Um, we're going to actively use our Jericho Road housing ministry to reach the lost. We're going to be, it's not just providing you, we're not just going to try to meet your physical need, but we're also going to try to meet your spiritual need. And so we're going to be unashamed about sharing the gospel to the folks that stay in our houses. Um, and we think that's a tool that we can use to reach the lost. We're not going to beat people over the head with the Bible, but we're going to share the love of Jesus with them. So the housing project. Um, okay, Sunday, this is going to get probably a little administrative, but Sunday morning reaching events. So we're going to train people to reach. We're going to do the Jericho Road Project. And then outreach Sundays three times a year. Yeah, you can leave that. Um, so what is this? So we know that there are natural Sundays where visitors or people that don't know Jesus are more likely to come to church. What's one of them? Easter. Okay, Easter will be one of these outreach Sundays. Um, the other one that we're doing this year is not Christmas Eve service, but um, Ugly Sweater Sunday will be our another outreach Sunday. So Ugly Sweater Sunday, Easter, and then the other one will be like a back-to-school time, which will be right around this time, but we're not going to do that this fall. So that's, they say that's the three biggest times studies show that people are likely to come to church who don't go to church, is back-to-school time because everybody's getting back in the rhythm of life, Christmas and Easter. And so we are going to make these Sundays, like Ugly Sweater Sunday, and Easter Sunday, we're going to give you guys cards to pass out to your friends and family. We are going to have special prayer services. We are going to be actively thinking about inviting people to church those Sundays. Okay? And we're going to share the gospel. We're going to have them write down if they accept Christ. That's going to be part of our strategy. Okay? The fourth one is um, outreach events. Outreach events is different from Sunday because they won't be on Sunday, but it'll be like um, VBS, uh, marriage seminar that we could do for like to reach people. Um, that are married, that are having issues, that are lost, that they could come and work on their marriage, but also find out how Jesus could help their marriage and help their lives as well and, you know, save them. <laughs> and so block parties, men's and women's events will be detailed based on, is this an outreach event or is this a different event? But, so these are the ways that we are strategically over this next year going to reach the lost. Amen? You guys in on this with me? Yeah. All right, all right, cool, cool. Good, good. Um, so the end of our time today, I don't know if you guys have a notebook, get it out. If you guys have your phones, get it out. If you have smartphones, but I want you guys to write down something for me, okay? If you don't have a notebook, there's one on the J-Rock, but if you have your phone, just write yourself an email or write yourself a note in the note section, okay? I'll give you guys a second to get it out. Um, worship team, you can come up here for this, this part. Sorry, Nancy, I know you were going to write down. <laughs> You always got second service. We always got a mulligan service. Um, so everybody have your notes out. I want you guys to think of somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus, that are lost, like I described up here. Maybe they've never accepted Jesus. Maybe they rejected Jesus. Maybe they have fallen away from Jesus. But I want you to write that person's name down. If you're a really good memory, just put it in your head. If you know those people, who they are. It's 
on the wall. Yeah, you guys did that when we built a stage. You guys wrote some lost people down on the wall. But I want you guys to write this down, okay? I want you guys to pray about this this week. I want you guys to think about ways to reach these folks. Because guess what? We all have lost people in our lives. Some of them we're actually good friends with. But we never take that step of inviting them to church or asking them about their faith. We don't want to just intrude. And Jesus is saying, I want you guys to intrude a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. They won't reject you. But I want you guys to pray about these people. Write it down. And if you still have your pen or your phone out, you could write down their name and say, after it matters to God. This person matters to God. This person matters to God. And he wants to see them found. Take that home with you. Pray for them. And we want everybody, like I am a big advocate for a prayer journal. We want everybody to have lost people that they're praying for every day. If you don't have it on your prayer sheet, add it to your prayer sheet and have it. Look for opportunities. Look for opportunities. There are, when a coworker says to you, my life is falling apart, I don't know what to do. Please help me. You look happy. You've been pretty happy throughout the coronavirus pandemic. What, what, what is it about you that makes you so happy? What are you going to say in that moment? What do you have in your life that's different? I want to know. What are you guys going to say? Well, I'm a positive person. I memorize a lot of Ben Franklin quotes. <laughs> like, like are you, you going to be able to share the gospel? Are you going to be ready? Because look at this. My last verse for the day, and then I'm going to pray. 1 Peter 3.15 says this. It says to the church. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be Okay, always be to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. He's saying, everywhere you go, always be ready. Always have the gospel in the chamber, ready to give it when needed. And if that time comes and you're not ready, like, you miss that opportunity. God will give you more, but we don't want to miss those opportunities to share the love of Christ with others. First part of our mission is Jericho Road Church wants to reach the lost. Let's pray. God, we love you and we worship you. We know lost people matter to you and um, you love them and you want to see them found. And you want to use your church to reach them and bear fruit. And not just reach them so they come in and stay lost, but they come to you for repentance and peace and salvation. So God, um, we pray for this part of our mission. We pray that it's in our DNA and tattooed on our hearts. So God, we love you and worship you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said.